Thanks for joining us. This is the EWN Podcast Network. Hello, 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 and welcome to Rev with Rachel, where we recreate, enlighten, and vibrate in our radiance. I am Reverend Dr. Rachel Whetstone, but please just call me Rachel. This episode is brought to you by the Rev with Rachel affiliate Source Code Meditation, an online education and meditation practice for awakening your higher brain and expressing your most radiant, authentic self. You can go to the show notes for the link to sign up for an enlightening webinar with the creator, Dr. Michael Cotton. Today's episode is called The Happiness Revolution with Gail Cartier. Gail wants to live in a world where fun and happiness matter in the workplace. Vending machines serve up gluten-free dark chocolate s'mores, and living in another country for a month happens every year. As a commercial interior designer of workplace environments with over 10 years of experience, she has worked for top architectural design firms producing environments that were productive, ergonomic, functional, and made a difference for people in corporate America. Now, Gail is designing workplace cultures on a whole new level to include happiness in the workplace as a business owner. She is a certified trainer partner with the Fun Department, a pioneering firm who are the how-to experts in providing innovative solutions that create happier, healthier, and more connected workplaces. Isn't that needed? <laughs> she also has been trained in Denmark with Woohoo Inc., who are the leading international experts on the value of happiness at work. This is all so important because we know that happy companies make more money. I'm excited to hear more when she's not crusading for the cure to workplace boredom and creating company cultures that rock your bottom line results. You can find her whipping up a delicious gluten-free dish, catching fireflies, and dancing the Roomba. Welcome to the show, Gail. Thank you, Rachel. I'm so excited to be here. I'm just loving the work that you're doing with Reb with Rachel. Oh my gosh, thank you. It's awesome to connect with you here. It's been a while, but we get to go on a walk. Uh, gosh, maybe over a year ago, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was so fun. And we were talking about fun and what you do. And we got on some swings and we swung like little girls. It was so nice. It was really nice. And now that it's, uh, the snow is almost gone in Minnesota. We can maybe do that again. <laughs> yeah, I know we will. We'll do that. <laughs> awesome. So I, I love what you're doing and I was so excited to have you on the podcast because you did this awesome Facebook video talking about your work and why it is so important. And, you know, it struck me because I, I experienced a not very empowering, uh, work setting in the academic place, uh, during grad school. And then, and then that changed things went to a better place, but, um, I just love that this concept because so many people I hear are leaving corporate America and you know they're they're not happy in their work and they're just kind of going in and trying to get through the day and then going home and not feeling you know good about going in the next day or dreading Monday and so I just want to hear more about how how you're making companies happy. I am so excited to talk about that. And I just want to tell your listeners that you could be somebody that's working in a company. You could be a solopreneur. You could be a small business owner. You could be any one of those. And this all applies to you because what I believe is we're in charge of our careers, whether we're working for somebody or not. So I just want to make sure that 
I'm wrapping you all into this conversation because it's so, so important. And when I was thinking about what I wanted to tell, um, talk with you, Rachel, and tell your listeners was, like, I really love your words, recreate, enlighten, and vibrate, you know, our radiance. And so I really wanted to take that perspective and overlay that with the work that I do and give you guys three really powerful tips that you can take away. So have a pen and paper ready because this is going to be really fun and really powerful at the same time. And so, but before we get in to the recreate, enlighten, and vibrate, um, I'm just going to take you, because you just brought that up, I'm just going to take you a couple of weeks to go. Um, I was working with a new business coach of mine, and I have known her just very casually for a number of years. And so when we started working, she was like, Gail, <laughs> you're fun, you're playful, you're creative, and you're a really powerful woman. She goes, but I don't even know what you do. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right? And she's like, you need to get out there and tell people what you do on social media. And, and so she told me that, I go, she goes, I want you to make a quick video telling people about what you do, post it on social media by 8 p.m. that evening. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I freaked, Rachel. I'm like, Did holy, you? holy crap. <laughs> That's surprising <laughs> about you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, here's the thing. I'm a split. I'm a 50. I'm almost, I'm like a 49-51 split on the Myers-Briggs between an introvert and an extrovert. Okay. <laughs> so this was really terrifying for me. So when I was listening to you, when you started your podcast, I'm like super proud of you that you have just opened yourself up and all of this wisdom with all the people that you've interviewed. So yay for you. But oh, yeah, I was... You shaking in my boots. <laughs> I know the feeling. I didn't want to do it, Rachel. I'm like, dang it. Like, did you really just say that? And she's like, you have to do this. So um, why was I so scared about that? I'm like, I'm leading this um, revolution in business and I'm a total status quo buster and I'm mm. a paradigm shifter. And really I'm disrupting how business is being done. And so when you think about all those things of what I do, they're really not so popular, right? We're going to talk about that a little bit because um, most of us like status quo because it's safe. It's the same. And sometimes, even though it's not good for us, we still yeah. like to have things stay the same, don't we? Yeah. And our brains are wired to keep us that way. Exactly. <laughs> you know all about like, that. I take that. <laughs> right, right. And, and here's the other part. I was realizing what, you know, you kind of think about that that little kid in you that's throwing a fit, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I realized I really don't like to be criticized. And so that fear was like, I didn't really want to be in this place of vulnerability. And I'm goofy and I'm kind of crazy, but, and I'm a bit of a perfectionist, but even though I'm this perfectionist and I don't like to be criticized and I especially don't like seeing myself on video, <laughs> I did it. And for you. right. And I'm, I'm going to tell you guys later about how I got around my freaking out and <laughs> wanting to do this because it's a super powerful aspect of what I do with businesses. So I'm going to tell you that I got this Facebook or this LinkedIn private message from a woman that actually watched my video. And this is so relevant because it's kind of how you introduce this because a lot of people are... Um, really not enjoying what they do. And we'll talk about that. Mm -hmm. But here's what she said and why this is so um, 
so, so important. She goes, I just had to tell you, I just saw your video and I love what you have to say. I am currently working at a place where the culture is so serious and so fear-based. It is killing my soul. Oh yeah. Right? Like how many are you, you know, how many listeners are in that place? Um, a lot of, or maybe somebody that they know and their family is in that place. But she goes on to say, she goes, I am putting my resume out. And one of my top requirements is a culture of collaboration, grace for mistakes, and a place that feels joyful. Mm-hmm. Like, don't we all want that? Yeah. <laughs> right. So oh she, she just ends it with not sure where that will be yet, but I am convinced looking for these factors of having this culture of collaboration, grace for mistakes, and a place that feels joyful are as important as salary and benefits. And then mm-hmm. she's like, thanks for what you do and keep rocking the fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> so okay, unfortunately, yeah, this is not the exception in our workplace. I know. I keep hearing story after story, people getting yelled at by another employee or their boss. It's just like, why is this happening? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. Gallup did a survey and they found out that seven out of 10, like hold up seven fingers out of your 10 are disengaged at work. And a lot of people are like, well, what does that mean? I will tell you that on some level, they're checked out. They're maybe checking Facebook and Twitter and <laughs> LinkedIn and whatever. But my kids, and I actually mentioned this in the video, my kids would watch The Walking Dead. I can't watch stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I often think I should have a show or you know, ignite this show of The Working Dead because really for 80% of our day, that's how we are. We're just like existing where people are leading these lives of quiet desperation. And part of my passion and pulse of this is it just doesn't stop at work, right? People Mm -hmm. bring this home to their families. Oh yeah. Impacting their kids, impacting their communities. So the exponential effect of what we're talking about is massive. Mm -hmm. So which leads me to a question to ask you, Rachel, but what do you think the number one written and spoken in word, written and spoken word in business is today? Um, productivity. That's a good one. Not it? <laughs> no, no. I mean, some people think productivity, leadership, teamwork, collaboration, whatever. What the number one word is culture. Culture. And it's, yes. And it's the hottest topic in business today. Oh, and cool. When, and I want to tell people that whether you are a solopreneur and you have a total of one <laughs> or you have 10,000 that you're working with, you have a culture, whether you like it or not. And the, the significance of this is if you have a bad culture, you have a bad business because if your employees or your customers or your partners believe that their your culture is bad for them, it can be really, really bad for you for business. And I'm going to give you another example of why this is not such an anomaly. And some of you might know this woman, but um, it was, I'm going to take you on a little quick story, but um, it was August of 2009 and it was a beautiful Sunday morning in Minnesota, not like April in Minnesota this year. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And Tina just woke up and she turned and she looked at her husband and she had tears in her eyes and she's like, dang it it's Sunday, isn't it? And he's like, yeah, sweetheart. And she's like, I really hate my work. You know, I hate thinking about walking down that long stinking corridor and sharing my you know, workspace with three other people. I hate punching in that four digit code. And she's like, I 
just feel like a prisoner. And she's like, the frustrating thing is she actually liked her work, but she goes, I hate the company I work for. And I don't really know how much longer I can take that. And so what happens, Rachel, is we, you know, it's like TGI Friday, right? We wait for the weekends, but the problem is Sundays turned into this big Sunday dread for a lot of people. So they can't even really enjoy their Sundays because they're thinking about Monday. And the problem with this scenario is, and you may know Tina, actually, she's like a smart, high energy type A go-getter normally, but really how productive do you think she is right now? And how many innovative solutions do you think she's coming up with to solve all the problems that you have to solve as a business every day? Well, I'll tell you, statistically speaking, it's a big fat zero unless the culture changes, right? Because you can have all these right successful ingredients for uh, a company on paper, but if you have employees like Tina, now that's none of that's really going to matter because culture will make or break your company. So again, like I said, you have a culture, whether you've intended to or not, whether you're a company of one or 10,000. So I don't know if you know Tony Shea, Rachel, do you know Tony Shea? No. The CEO of Zappos. And okay. he's one of my business heroes. And I heard him speak a number of years ago. And he built his first company with some college buddies and it grew and grew and grew and it eventually uh, ended up being sold for, I think, $260 million. And um, he talked about how um, in the transition, I think they had a year transition from when it was bought to when it was uh, being taken over. And he and a couple other guys had to stay for a year, right, in the transition. And he's mm-hmm. like, I hated the company <laughs> I had built oh, shoot. so bad. Oh. He walked away from $8 million. Like, oh, really? think about that, right? I mean, I don't know if I would have walked away for $8 million, but mm-hmm. <laughs> so when he got a part of Zappos, and if you guys don't know Zappos, it's, an, it's this huge online shoe company. Um, but when he became a part of Zappos, he decided that since he had experienced what he had experienced um, in his previous company, culture was going to be the number one priority with Zappos. And he said we decided that if we get the culture right, most of the stuff like building a brand around delivering the best customer service will just take care of itself. Mm. And what is the product? And if you guys have ever shopped at Zappos, you know they are off the charts with their customer service. And I could tell you a story about that just with my son and shopping, but I'm not going to do that right now. But it was just like, suffice it to say that they actually we're going to take me outside of Zappos to find what I really wanted. And that just is totally typical of how Zappos does business. But he oh, wow. took that company from basically zero to a billion dollar company in 10 years, focusing on the fact that culture was number one priority. So it's like, oh, wow. how important is this, right? No wonder it's the number one word out there. So, <laughs> you know, you guys heard it in my bio that Rachel um, <laughs> read, but the need for companies to create cultures of happiness and fun are so critical that I'm a certified trainer and partner with companies called the fun department and woohoo Inc. Like literally those are real things, right? And uh-huh. what they have done is they have developed these proven methods to help businesses keep top talent like Tina so that they don't want to jump ship, right? And we could talk about the millennials now, but I'm sure that feels like to agnosium right now because that's what we hear about so much because they're becoming the largest 
force in our workforce right now, but they're demanding work be done in a different way. And they're kind of called job hoppers. Um, and so this is really critical that we understand, do we create these cultures that can soar? So I'm really glad that I got over myself and put out this massively imperfect video to let people know there is a better way to do business, right? Mm-hmm. And it's perception. Your video was perfect. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> I'm just really goofy. And so, you know, I find that with what I do and having been in corporate America, um, there's just this persona of you have to be very straight-laced, professional, and I'm just mm-hmm. very... I'm just, yes, I can be all those things, but I'm, um, I'm putting the happy back into things and knowing that that's actually the better way to do business. So, well, and really that's being authentic. It's our soul wants to be joyful and fun. And in some of those settings, like that's very true in the academic setting, people kind of put on this serious face and I did it too, you know? (laughs) Right. Right. Well, we try to conform to what it is. And we're going to talk about that when we get into to recreate. But, you know, here's the thing. We spend 80% of our day at work, roughly. So when you think about that, I mean, that's what fueled my passion to be a designer because I'm like, my uncle was an architect. I thought I wanted to be an architect, but I ended up being a commercial interior designer. And I wanted to impact where people were working and spending the most amount of their time. And which totally makes sense why I'm doing what I do today because this is at a whole nother level that really oh, yeah. I'm creating where people spend 80% of their time, right? Right. So when you think about that woman on LinkedIn and she talked about working in a fear-based environment, I used to work for a global design firm. And at the time I was working between 60 to 80 hours a week and having two small kids at home. And I remember being, had my butt hauled into the president's office. Oh. and I had made a mistake that had cost the company $200. Now, Mm -hmm. like, I'm just going to tell you $200 in the scheme. uh, I'm not saying $200 is nothing. I'm just saying $200 in the scheme of what was happening was like nothing. And I just think about how I felt after that, Uh, you know, that's a highly creative field. And when you are in a place of fear, which you know, right? When we talked about the brain, like when we're in this place of fear, like how many solutions do you think I'm coming up with? And it's kind of like when we talked yeah. about Tina, right? Yeah, I mean, lower brain dominance. We can't yeah. be insightful, intuitive, creative. Exactly. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so when business is changing at the rate that it is, in order to stay relevant, we have to be able to innovate. So when you think about the impact of what that that because everybody is creating that culture. So, and the CEO or the president is the tone setter for cultures. And so the impact of that was massive because it put it in this place of fear, which just doesn't do anything for our businesses, you know, whether we're an employee or not, because it's what, is that the limbic part of our brain that's hijacking? Mm -hmm. We can't access our Um, creative and logical and all that part of our mind when we're stressed out, right? Yeah. So are you ready to jump into like create or recreate? Yes. (laughs) Yep. Tell us more. Yes. Yes. So when you think about like your work, you know, what do you truly want? And there's, 
I'm going to ask you guys to think about what kind of paradigm or beliefs do you have about work? So like, Rachel, what are some of the things that like come up for you when you think about work? Like, are, are there any paradigms that you, or beliefs that you have around yeah. work? Or you, I mean, I've changed here? a lot of that because now I'm all about inspiration and passion and balance and fueling my soul. But in the past, you know, it was really all about hard work and, um, I, I let everything be overwhelming and hard, like not, not just hard work, like time and what you have to put in, but like, it's hard. Right. (laughs) Right. Yes. Work uh, is hard. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, that was a big shift for me to, to start putting practice and like telling myself a new story about things being easy. Like this can be light and easy and flow instead of force and, but that was my old story. Well, and then that's super awesome that you've done that because, I mean, even if you have that idea, our culture, you know, so supports, like seriously, when you talk about anybody who's anybody, you know, what are the first things that come out of your mouth about that person? They're a hard worker, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't look at that, but that is well, I mean, societal. As a society, yeah. we do that, right? We oh, yeah. think about things like work as an work being unpleasant, that's just really normal. And it's called work for a reason, right? (laughs) And there's really no such thing as happy jobs or, you know, the more hours we work, the better. And Mm -hmm. we know research shows the opposite of that, but it's like, you know, if you're the first one in and the last one out that like somehow you're a better worker, no, you're not actually, you know, or that we have to work hard to be successful. Yeah, we have to work, but does it need to be hard? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the idea that if you're enjoying yourself at work, well, you're probably not getting enough done. And the last one I kind of think about is we think about, you know, it's a dog eat dog world and everybody needs to fend for themselves. And so, you know, when I think about what your goal is with this podcast is that we're recreating to be radiant, but does anything of what we just talked about sound radiant? No. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So these beliefs around work are really damaging and they're damaging to our families. They're damaging to our health and they're damaging to our relationships. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that a little bit later on, but my tip number one for everybody is to shatter some of these old beliefs about what work is, because again, it's damaging everything that's really important to you. And I'm not saying that your career isn't important to you. Absolutely. But it shouldn't have to be an either or, right? That we can be successful and have successful relationships and you know, success in our health um, and in our families. So we, the old beliefs are really fostering this um, polarity of it's this or that. And so I'm just going to welcome everybody in to start shattering that, what you've already done, that work can be easy, there can be flow, and and your radiance and your brilliance can come through your work, and it doesn't have to be hard, or you don't have to sacrifice everything to get there. Yeah. That's the first tip that I have, everybody. It sounds simple, but it's a lot more difficult. Then it, right? it runs deep too. It I mean, I did really some, deep. I did some like ancestral belief transformation work with someone. Oh, and, did you? you know, like you think about our ancestors, like work was really hard. It was, yes. you know, absolutely. And, um, like what kind of what we do now, we don't, I mean, some people do have very physically demanding things, but in general, it's not like it was, but we hang on all of those beliefs around work. We just hang on to those so tight and they're woven into us. Absolutely. I mean, I grew up on farm and ranch. And so what, okay. what could it be 
more entrenched. And I mean, like, (laughs) your work is never done on a farm and ranch. And yet, when you think about our lives now, because of our, you know, technical capabilities of being connected all the time, when is work really ever done? Mm -hmm. Um, So I really love people like you and people like, you know, multi-billionaire Richard Branson. He was the founder of Virgin. And I really love his paradigm about work. He's like, fun is at the core of the way I do business. And he goes, it has been the key to everything I've done from the outset. More than any other element, fun is the secret of virgin success. Like, wow. pretty cool, huh? So we have people that are understanding that there's a different way of doing business and they're leading the way. And I so appreciate Richard Branson and his work. Um, but, you know, here's some other paradigms to shift it. What, you know, work, happiness at work is good for me and for employees and the bottom line or happy workplaces are more effective. They're less stressful and have a lower absenteeism and employee turnover. And really life is too short to be unhappy at work, right? Yeah. So I'm just going to invite people to invite another way of thinking about their work and It's simple, but it's powerful. And here's what we do know, that the research is showing us that fun and a happy work environment means there's like 125% less burnout. I mean, just think about Mm -hmm. that. Or a 31% increase in productivity or a 44% higher retention. And probably my favorite one is that if you have a fun and happy workplace, innovation goes off the charts. It's like a 300% increase. Now you might be going, well, whatever. I mean, it's kind of like what I said a little bit ago. If you're not innovating as a business, you're dying. I mean, think about like what Netflix did with Blockbuster, right? I mean, Netflix evolved. Blockbuster didn't. Who's around, right? Mm -hmm. I don't even know if Blockbuster is still around. It's not anywhere around here, but anyway, so let's, we're just going to re- recreate it so it serves us in a better way. So that's, that's for the recreate. Yeah. Perfect examples. I love it. Awesome. So, you know, what's your vision of enlightened? My vision of enlightened. Yeah. Um, I think about being like illumined, radiating the light and love that we are, um, being, you know, present, not worrying, not fear, um, you know, ruminating, you know, fully present in mind. I think of that. Nice. So I was kind of like trying to think about, you know, what your vision is for enlightenment. And I was trying to think about, well, how does that apply to like what I do? And I think about um, the goal that I really have when I work with companies is for them to be really, to be able to uncover the real potential inside themselves and inside their employees, right? Because when we unveil all of who we are, you're going to get so much more out of your employees and yourself. And so there's a process that I've just started working with my clients with, and it's massively powerful. And it came from Mind Valley Academy. And I don't know if you're familiar with them. Um, Yeah. They have a course called Extraordinary by Design. And what I love is this is what the, this is when you pull up Mind Valley Academy. Um, they are a global school that delivers transformational education for all ages. They're powered by community. And guess what? They're fueled by fun. Oh, <laughs> so wow. I really love it. And I was listening to a podcast, Rachel, and, and the CEO, Vision, and I won't attempt to pronounce his last name, 
was talking about um, that their goal is to become the number one place to work in the world. And their kind of objectives are is that this, this, the place where they work is where employees can learn and grow and employees can evolve at accelerated rates and a place where you can emerge as a powerful human being. Like, seriously? That's awesome. <laughs> and crazy that that's their goal. You know, the goal right. is right. Like, our numbers or our, you know, what we're... Yeah. So it's like, how many of you guys want to work for a company like that and or create a company like that, right? Mm-hmm. If you have your own companies, like, who wouldn't want that? And I really just love them, Rachel, because... Um, I was uh, listening to Bill Jensen and he authored this book called The Future of Work. And he said, in the future, it won't be about getting employees engaged in a company's vision. He's like, that's going to happen for sure. But it will also be about a company being engaged in the employee's personal visions. So when I was thinking about Enlighten, um, in my view of enlightenment at work, which is uncovering the real potential of ourselves and our employees, um, I think it's really important to understand what's our own personal vision. And so what I do is I use the process that they did and they, I ask people three questions. So if you have your pen and paper handy, um, it's, it's a little exercise. It doesn't take very long at all, but it allows you to focus on what really makes you happy. And it kind of empowers you on your own level, wherever you are, whether you're working for yourself or working for somebody else. And what the question number one is, it's about, they put three categories of what they know makes people happy. And this is based off of research and, you know, all these kinds of things. But their first category are experiences. Mm -hmm. So the question number one is like, if I were to say, Rachel, (laughs) What beautiful human experiences do you want to feel in your lifetime? Like, is there anything that like even comes to your mind? Um, I kind of put you on the spot because I didn't like really prep you, but it's like, you know, we get to experience all these things on planet earth. And it's like, you know, things like falling in love or traveling to a new city or creating something new or, you know, what brings you like this heart pounding joy and happiness? So is there anything that you still want to experience that. It's so funny because I feel like I have, like, I'm like, I have, so what else? But so what else? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my two passions are travel and experiencing and exploring and my family. And so I've kind of done some travel around my personal growth and I got to travel in grad school and stuff. And I would like to merge those two more to be able to do more exploring and experiencing with my family. Nice. Around the world. Yeah. So I'll just challenge you to, you know, even if you just write it down, you don't have to share it with your, all your, all the listeners, but it's like to, to write down, you know, something that you want to experience. And it's like, and, and one of the things I do with people is I put them on a timer. I'll give you a three minute timer per question. And the reason why I do that is like, one of the things that I really want to do is I want to be I want to be a TED Talk speaker, right? And if I'm if I'm time boxing this, I can go, well, and I want to go to, you know, Finland and I want to be in one of those glass igloos so I can see the aurora borealis, right? <laughs> so, like so I'm just being in this heart space when I time it like this. Because then I could go, if I give it too long, then I go, oh yeah, right, Gail. You couldn't even do like a four to five minute video really fantastically. <laughs> you think you're going to be a TED Talk speaker, right? So that's why if, if you do this exercise, 
write the question down, set your timer for three minutes and just blow through things that you really would just like light you up, right? And make your heart sing. So you stay out of your head. That's going to tell you all the reasons why you can't do that, right? Right, yeah. So that's the first category. And then the second question is, around growth because we know that when we're growing as human beings that that produces this own internal chemistry of happiness for us and so the second question is how do I want to grow as a human being so how do I want to grow in terms of my skills in terms of my career in terms of my abilities you know how do I want to take care of my body so I can have the energy to travel all over the world or you know how do I want to grow my mind I mean Rachel you and I were talking about it it's like I'm taking a speed reading and comprehension class right now because That's so cool I know because I am <laughs> I'm a voracious reader but I'm not a really fast reader so it takes me a long time and I would get through a book and I'm like dang I don't even remember what I just read. Yeah. So it's so powerful for you to say, hey, here's something. And I want to grow that. How many people are doing that and taking those steps to expand themselves? That's awesome. Absolutely. And in fact, I was on a group text with my sisters this morning and my older sister who is 52, she's Mm -hmm. taking piano lessons. And I'm like, I mean, I used to take piano lessons, but I'm not really good anymore. It's a perishable skill. Yeah. (laughs) Like I would love to do that same. So it's like, where do you want to grow? Because, um, you know, I was listening to Tony Robbins and in one of his Ted talks, he talks about that we all have two great spiritual needs. And the one is the first one is the need to grow. And the second is the need to contribute. And he said that if you aren't growing or contributing, you might be happy, but you'll never be really fulfilled. And so I think that's just really powerful. So when you ask yourself um, these three questions, and I'll get to the third one in just a second, you give yourself an opportunity to tap into your heart space and create an extraordinary life. And I really like what Vishen um, says. He goes, it's like the blueprint to your soul. So The third question is, how do I want to contribute to my family, to my community, and to my world? And just remember that contribution, you know, can happen in a number of different ways. You go like, I'm taking some art classes now. It could be doing um, a beautiful piece of of art to beautify, you know, your home or your community or whatever, right? It could be that you're volunteering. It could be that you wrote a fabulous, it could be that you did a podcast, you know, Rachel, that really changed somebody's life, right? So think about what ways do you want to contribute and make your list? And again, each one of these are three minutes. So why this is powerful and how you can actually use this in your family and or your business is I have the employees fill this out and then it goes up on a wall. And this is not all my, these are not my ideas. This is what I learned from Vision. And what he does as a CEO is, periodically he will look at them and he will see how can he, like he had an, he had a woman that um, wanted to live in Italy for a year. And so what he did is he went and bought a book for her um, about Italy and wrote her a quick note because what we found is that Gallup also has done a survey is that if you could answer yes to this question, does anybody care about you at your work as a human being if you could answer yes, things skyrocketed. Like the wow. loyalty went off the charts, the productivity, like all these things happen. And think about that, right? If you think you're a number, mm-hmm. like how do you act, right? Yeah. How does that make a difference in your life? So what they do is they put this up, not only for like managers and CEOs to do that, but we also have this 
connection with other people to go, what makes their heart sing? Like, you know, you want to go hiking here and I want to go hiking there. Let's like do that together. So you start creating this family of really healthy relationships. I like that. Yeah. 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 So that's your tip number two is asking yourself these three important questions to create a personal vision and then share it either with your family or your coworkers. Massively, massively powerful and creating a well, here's what we know, Rachel. We know that through research that um, there's two things that make us happy at work. And one is creating great results together. And the second one is having great relationships at work. Mm-hmm. And so all of what I do foster these in a really significant way. Because what we do know is traditional team building really doesn't cut it. It doesn't shift culture. It's a happy feel good for maybe like a week or two. But what we really do is create this consistency of creating experiences that really bring a company's values to life, their mission to life, because often those are just words on a wall, right? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Right. So So much deeper. It is really deeper. Yeah. And, And we know the deeper we go, this, you can't just throw, you know, X amount of money at it and think it's going to shift. And so there's, there's a deeper level of emotional intelligence and a deeper amount of time that happens that you can shift your place into a culture that's, you know, really fostering the well-being of all your employees. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Great. Okay. So vibrate. <laughs> vibrate. <laughs> what are you going to say? No, you know, it's so funny because I think you were, t- you were, you and I were talking briefly before we started recording and um, I don't really talk to my corporate co- clients really to this level. Mm-hmm. Um, it might kind of freak them out, but you know, <laughs> it is really, um, really massively important. And, you know, being really conscious of the energy that we're creating at work um, to be a, uh, an energy that actually heals ourselves and others. And so I always say, it's all about how you feel, darling, because, yeah. you know, the, the, our process when we work with companies um, starts with a simple but really, really powerful question. So write this down. What's fun for you? And I get it. Some people might not know what, what do you mean by fun? Did you say the F word? <laughs> right? I mean, and yeah. really, in all, in all seriousness, you know, I, I have to kind of talk more about like well-being or culture. Those are more acceptable business terms. People are really not interested in fun at work because it's such a, again, like the paradigms are so deep to say that they're just like, well, that's just stupid, but the research is profound what it does. Mm-hmm. So if, if and I think not so many work, people are just like, I want to get my work done and get out of there. Exactly. And, and again, it goes to leading this life of quiet desperation. Yeah. Like you're going to wait, you're going to spend 80% of your day waiting to get home, right? Yeah. You're just waiting to, waiting to live your life really. So fun is not your word. What brings you joy? You know, what makes your heart sing? What puts a smile on your face? And that's going to be different for everyone. And that's where our expertise comes in because how do you take each and every person within that organization and create a place that's happy and fun and create these experiences that are all inclusive and non-threatening, right? Because a lot of times with your traditional team building, it might be one or two people, I, their idea of fun, but it, you'll be like, 
roll in your eyes like my teenagers do at me, right? (laughs) This is not fun. And it actually, companies spend a lot of money on these things with good intent, but it's not giving them the bang for the buck to really shift their culture. So I want you guys to write down and make a list of what's fun for you. And I will tell you, this is not what's fun for your spouse. It's not fun it's not what's fun for your kids. Mm-hmm. And if I have any moms out there, I'm going to talk to you in a minute. <laughs> um, and it's not fun for what's what, for your dog, right? I mean, it's like, what's fun for you? And, and I don't, I don't want to single out men um, because it might be them too. But what I find with a lot of my women clients is that they have a difficult time understanding what's fun for them, right? Because mm-hmm. we're all about everybody else, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit like how I got started on my whole journey of why this is so important. Um, we've, I've, when I started understanding what the power of having fun and being happy in my life was, I had no stinking clue, Rachel. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, I had no idea. And so what you and I, when we went for our walk a year ago, we were talking about Dr. Stuart Brown, and that's where my whole... Um, journey went, I saw this flyer for a lecture at the University of Minnesota, and it was the power of play, how it shapes the brain and invigorates the soul. And I don't know, it was one of those divine um, messages for me. I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it just gave me goosebumps when you said that. And so I just want to like tell you guys, my nature is I am serious, type A, (laughs) brought up my rear kind of person, right? I mean, like as a kid, I was super playful and I was fun and creative, but man, when it came to my junior year in high school, I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta get my poop in a group here, right? And I decided what I was gonna go to school for and I went to college and I was just like, even though I was in a sorority, I was, I I joined a sorority because they had study groups. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which totally cracks me up. But anyway, I was super serious. And so the fact that I was drawn to this must've been, uh, like I said, a divine thing. And my soul was calling for it. But I went to this lecture, Rachel, and it was like, I was sitting in the back of this packed lecture hall, right? And this Dr. Stuart Brown's talking about all of the research that's been done on the power of play, fun, joy, whatever you want to call it, right? And I'm just sitting there thinking, no kidding. And he said, and this just isn't for kids. This is the power of what it does for adults in their brains and their souls, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember you and I were talking and um, how Dr. Stuart Brown got involved with this is that there was this mass shooting that happened from somebody fairly distinguished in the military, um, he either was like a, he was a Marine, I think, or he was a Navy SEAL or some, something fairly prominent, like you and I would go, wow, like that's really accomplished. And he came home and he, he killed his wife and his mom and went on a rampage on a campus. And mm-hmm. so there was a commission formed by, I don't know if it was the governor of Texas or the mayor of this town. I don't remember quite what it was, but Dr. Stuart Brown was commissioned as a psychologist to be a part of the team to figure out really what happened here. And what their conclusion was is that this guy had massive play deprivation. Now, you might all laugh and go, whatever, but 
when you read his book, which is called Play, How It Shapes the Brain and Invigorates the Soul, he talks about how what happens when we play as kids, how that shapes how we interact with our world. Mm-hmm. And like even rough and tumble play is really important. Like all these things are important to how the brain develops and how we interact with our community. And so massive play deprivation is what they found. He had a really stern father that really didn't allow him to be a kid. And I just was like blown away, Rachel. I'm like, seriously? And yet when you look at us adults, what are we told as adults? I mean, like what messages did you hear as a kid? I don't know. Did you hear anything (laughs) around play? No. Keep keep playing, sister. No. (laughs) Go on. Be, you know, have a childlike spirit, right? Yeah. What are we told? My mom's awesome. But, you know, it was very much like be involved, join everything so that you can build up your resume and go to college. So I was spread so thin. I was involved in everything. Yeah. (laughs) And that left no time for me to be like, what do I want to do and play and Right. Make right. or draw. <laughs> well, and most of us are like, you know, grow up, get real, mm-hmm. quit screwing around, be responsible. We have a lot of programming as, ad- as adults that isn't really necessarily healthy for us yeah. as adults, right? I remember you saying something about that, that organized kind of like sport types of play stuff is not the same as play. Like it is. Pretty- yeah, absolutely. And he actually, Dr. Stuart Brown talks about like his concern about that because, you know, not, you know, you always hear that I walked up the hill three miles in the snow and whatever, but oh, yeah. the reality is we had, at least for my generation, most of us grew up with unorganized play. Like we would mm-hmm. create our own games or, you know, on your, I lived on a farm ranch, so it's not like I was gathering with the neighborhood kids every day, oh, but, yeah. but there weren't referees typically, um, you were just playing. And so part of the value of that is, is that you learn how to interact with people without somebody refereeing you, right? Mm-hmm. So now things are so organized at a young age that kids yeah. don't have that ability to start understanding like when I'm playing with you. And the reason why playing is so powerful or having fun is so powerful is that we drop all of our posturing our mass of what I want you to think I look like. And we're just fully present in being there. And Mm -hmm. so this is a powerful trust builder and we learn how to navigate with people. So when everything is organized, refereed, kids don't have the ability to really understand how do I, how do I work with you? How do I play with you when we don't agree? (laughs) Right. Right. And if everybody's already taken care of that, then you don't have the skills as an adult or your skills are more diminished because you don't know how to do this yourself. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Like who would have thought? (laughs) Oh, I know. Right. And so what I want to just encourage you guys, like uh, what I had to do is I had to look at, okay, I was really disconnected from what was fun for me. Um, so what I thought about is, what did I like to do as a kid? And so I thought about, why well, I liked making mud pies. I mean, what are some things you like to do as a kid, Rachel? <laughs> Barbies. <laughs> Barbies, right? Yeah. Like, I loved being outside. I would, you know, grew up on a farm and ranch, but I much, I would do anything outside rather than be inside. You know, I loved mm-hmm. riding horse or dancing or picking wildflowers, but 
Anything else that you want to share that you like to do as a kid besides oh. Barbies? <laughs> well, swimming. Swimming. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So, you know, start with that. Um, and then when you look at the list, when I, way back many years ago, when I started this journey, I'm like, self, <laughs> would you still like to make mud pies? <laughs> well, the answer was no. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I want the dirt in my nails. But. Right. Right. <laughs> but, but I'm like, okay, self, would you still like to ride a horse? Well, I hadn't ridden a horse forever. Well, I have a friend that has a horse and I did. And I realized that I still love, oh, cool. love, love riding horse. So some things you might be able to carry in today and some things you might not, but I would say start with one thing because why is that important? Why is it important for us to have, like when we're thinking about vibrate, Rachel, and I know you know all this, like why is it important for us to really carve out some spaces of fun or play or joy or however you want to say it for yourself? It's really essential in us expressing our true selves. Absolutely. It's good. You know, and I mean, I like to think about too with our bodies, like if we're running and running and running, hunched over and that kind of hardcore constant, we need to like open up and be free and move our bodies in a joyful way. It's just kind of um, um, an an expression that to me is... uh, our radiance versus the hardcore hard work, the do, do, do. <laughs> Absolutely. You know Absolutely. what I mean? So there's a quote from Albert Einstein that I really, really love. And he said, everything is energy. And that's all there is to it. He said, match the frequency of the reality you want and you cannot help but get that reality. So when you think about when you are committed, like this isn't just like, oh yeah, that's, that's great, Gail. Make a list <laughs> that's fun for me. That's stupid, right? Um, when you think about everything's energy and when I am consistently creating space in my life for something that feels good to me, that makes my heart light up, what kind of frequency am I transmitting out into the world? Mm -hmm. right and as a society do we know that do we know that our heart can light up (laughs) and right that that feels amazing and right so it's like when you think about if he's saying match the frequency of the reality you want and you cannot help but get that reality because like attracts like right I mean Mm -hmm. we're not going to go into any universal laws but it's like everything is energy and if I'm putting out a vibration that feels good to me, I am only going to be attracting more of what's good for me, right? Mm-hmm. So my, when you think about the um, woman from LinkedIn, you know, I said to her, listen, make your list and start doing that and watch your outside reality. Because remember, everything's an inside job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we like to give our power away and go, it's my boss's fault. It's the economy's fault. It's the president's fault. It's mm-hmm. my husband's fault. It's my dog's fault. <laughs> but the reality is we create from the inside out. And I know mm-hmm. that's right, kind of profound. But so I really love that. So the simple act of you know, me doing this video, how did I do that? That was not fun for me, but how did I make (laughs) it fun for me? Here's what I did. I thought to myself, 
I don't know, it just popped in my head. I'm like, all right, she just gave you a double dog dare, sister. And so by framing it in that way, and I don't know, again, a little divine pop in my mind, how did I like make that fun was it was a double dog dare. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And so it just put me in this um, energy of, obviously I want people to know what I do because people are dying out there for something different. Mm -hmm. So I want to be heard by the people that are looking to create an amazing culture to do better business right around the world. And so that's how I hacked myself in a sense is I made it fun. And if you listen to my video, I'm goofy and yet I'm serious and silly and all of it kind of wadded up together. So that's how I even game. So like think about anything in your work, like what's not fun, how, what, and that might not, you saying it's a double dog dare might do nothing for you, right? I'm not saying make it a double dog dare and you're good to go. <laughs> that's why it's important. What's fun for you? Not anybody else, right? Yeah. So that's a a little bit, that's your tip number three is what's fun for you. And it's all about how you vibrate that affects your life and your business. Mm -hmm. So super powerful, but I'm going to, just to wrap it up, and then you can ask me if you you have any questions, but it's like, you know, I want to go back to Tina. Remember, she's the one that was like, you know, had tears in her eyes. She loved yeah, what she did. Monday. Light, right. Oh. Well, I'm just going to give you uh, a little um, catch up on what, what's happened to her. Um, she now is running a business um, fast approaching seven figures. She has 16 employees and it was a huge loss for the company that she used to be at because she left. Mm-hmm. And, um, in fact, she was telling me that she gets an anniversary card from them every year. Oh, really? <laughs> we oh miss her that much, right? <laughs> so big, big deal that that. And she's so her. talented. Exactly. And, like, those so, are not the people you want to lose, but you know she was called to something greater. Right, right. Yeah. So, you know, here was a firecracker, you know, sitting inside somebody's business inside a cubicle. And because that company's culture was so dreadful, they lost her. And, you know, I believe that everything's for a reason. So I'm not saying that, but I'm just giving a poignant point to people to understand how important your culture is. And, you know, I know, you know who I'm talking about, Rachel, but it's like, she has so many abilities and talents and smarts and drive. And it was snuffed out because the culture didn't support her. And, you know, could you imagine what she could have done for that business's profitability or retention or bottom line, all those things, right? So mm-hmm. I want you guys to think about your businesses. Now, even if you're a company of one, I mean, seriously, you've got a culture and you got to figure out how you want to make it somewhere you want to be. But, you know, if you don't want the statistically seven out of 10 firecrackers sitting in your businesses to be disengaged and go off and do something else, and you're really committed to understand that having a fun and happy work environment that is not goofy, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. we really are the how-to experts in integrating fun for everybody or what makes people happy or what brings them joy that makes them healthier, Um, that you're committed to gaining that competitive edge and designing a really healthy culture of well-being. Um, You know, I want to really encourage you to do these three tips that I gave you. And I'm going to give you a bonus tip. And again, you're, you might laugh, 
You might not, but I'm going to make you all CHOs. And it's a very important title of your organization. And that is the chief happiness officer. Mm. Because ultimately, Rachel, you and I both know that happiness is not really coming from an external place. Happiness is a state of mind, right? And who is in charge of that? Yeah. You know, it's a result of our energy and how we're vibrating and how, where we're at with our clarity and our energy and our enlightened and what we're, what we're creating, like just as you were talking about highlighting the rev. Right. Right. So I, I appreciate what you're doing because I think those are powerful words that you could apply to everybody that you bring on. Right. Because Mm -hmm. it's like, how are we looking at life? And I think it just gave me a great framework just to pluck out a couple pieces of what we do, because this is so important because remember this is, this is an exponential factor. A, it's where you spend 80% of your day. B, it's what you bring home to your families, the people that you care most about, right? Mm-hmm. And how that spreads. So this is definitely a massive revolution in doing business in a more enlightened way, really. Yeah. yeah. You know, I love that. I love how you have taken what you do and tied it into the rev. That was beautiful. Thank you for doing that. And it for me, it really comes up um, you know, I, I did look at this as a, as a mother, like how am I showing up in my family and everything, but it's, it's where we are everywhere. Not, not even just when we go to work. Absolutely. I totally agree. I mean, most of what I tell people is like everything I teach you, everything I teach companies, you can bring on a personal level. I mean, I I have five kids, right. Ages 22 to 12. And to try to do something as a family that everybody likes. Oh, yeah. You empower people to bring what's fun for them to a situation, to an experience. It changes everything. Hence the CHO. You are the CHO. You're the chief happiness of your life. So, awesome. I'm going to own that title. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great title, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. This is awesome, Gail. If any of our listeners want to connect with you to learn more, Um, or how you might be able to support them, how would you like for them to connect? Well, you can email me if you want, and it's Gail, which is G-A-Y-L-E, at thecoolestplacetowork.com. And I have some little tips that you can get, five truth bombs, why fun and happiness are serious business. (laughs) And um, Rachel, you can just put in the show notes, but if you want to check out my partner websites, um, it's www.morefunatwork.com or www.woohooinc.com. So you can check out all the fabulous work that we're doing all over the world. That just sounds amazing. I love what you're doing. And I love your five truth bombs about why fun and happiness are serious business. <laughs> <laughs> so creative. I love it. What a pleasure to connect with you. Thank you, Gail. Thank you so much. It was super fun um, talking with all you guys. And I just hope that you go out there and really put your serious adult self to having some happiness and fun in your work. I know. Like this is seriously important, you know. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome, Gail. It's been a pleasure. 
Listeners, you can go to drrachelw.com, enter your name and email, and I will send you Rachel's Nine Happiness and Healing Essentials, which talk about some of my favorite healing tools. And go on Amazon, check out my new book, Radiantly Free, Recreating Life and Health from the Radiance of You. It's all about healing and intuition and our body, our mind, the soul. Um, I hope it helps you to heal and become free from the inside out. And I have an app that will support you on your journey to rev the recreate, enlighten, and vibrate. I have daily recreators, power words for retraining your mind. And I also send special push notifications with different quotes and reminders on your growth journey. For information on that, go to rachelapp.com. And with that, remember to rev, recreate, enlighten, and vibrate. Thank you for listening. Until we meet again, be love. EWN Podcast Network.